Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. If you haven't had a chance, head over to the Big Cartel and pick up a copy of Burning Strong's The Fire Rages On. Such an awesome record, front to back, Pensacola hardcore. You know what to do. Also, next month, August, the One Scene Unity comp is dropping. A uh, ton of awesome bands lined up for that record. Age of Apocalypse, Despised, Mourning, Simulaka, Restraining Order, Shackled, Youth Collapse, Envision, See the Pain, Choice to Make, Dead Heat, Killing Me, Hangman, My Chaos, Cheer Force, Out for Justice, and Last Straw. Also, I just got word that there's going to be two more additions to the comp. That information hasn't been provided to me yet, but just keep an eye out for that, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm super supportive of what From Within Records is doing. Every release that they put out has been so awesome, and I'm really, really into the idea of what they're doing with this comp. The idea of the One Scene Unity is just so awesome to me, and I just can't wait for this to finally come out and for you guys to be able to hear it. It's seriously so awesome, and I'm stoked that all the bands are able to come together and do this compilation but today my guest jabril hailing from the high desert sings for a band called shiva i was put onto them from a no echo article and i was super into the positive energy that they just spew out it's so awesome and i think i was really hooked when they released the music video for happy i'm such a big fan of bands doing music videos I, I just want to see people's uh, creative side so I was really stoked that they're able to put that out and they put it out with just such awesome quality when I saw that I could watch it in 5k I thought that was like one of the coolest things ever but if you have no idea who I'm talking about hit pause head over to the Bandcamp, shiva.bandcamp and just check out their new record groove and thank me later I, I think it's going to be so awesome to finally be able to see them live when we're out of this pandemic and it just has me really excited a fun band to listen to so i can only imagine what it's going to be like when we finally get to do it live so without further ado please welcome jabril to the podcast All right, and we're live. Welcome to the podcast, Jabril. Hey, how's it going? Dude, it's going all right. I'm uh, stoked to have you here. I remember seeing a, a, that No Echo article about your new band, and I had no idea that you had anything new going on. So when I saw that article, I was like, oh, sure, this is awesome. Like, I'm, I'm definitely going to check this out. And I know you um, reached out to me. Uh, but by then, honestly, like, I'd already, like, checked out the, the single that you guys had put out. And I, I thought it was, like, super sick. Oh, man, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. So I, I'm just curious. I'm, uh, how do you pronounce the name of your band? Is it Shiva or Shiva? It's Shiva. Okay, all right. Because, yeah, yeah. Th that's the way that I thought. Because, like, whenever... Um, 
I or when I saw the name, I was like, oh, that that uh, is like similar spelling to um, like because I'm like a huge fan of Final Fantasy and um, and throughout the history of Final Fantasy, there's like you know these summons and there is one called uh, Shiva. So I was like, oh, I was like, I, I think that's how you pronounce it, but I wasn't sure just because they had the the double I. So I just wanted clarification. Yeah, no, and no, it's a it's Shiva. We added a double I. Uh, there's a couple of different names for it, but uh, mainly it was a uh, kind of just something just to make it stand out and. uh just some, some symbolism with some members in the band, so we thought the two hours was, was kind of catchy, kind of cool to put in there. Yeah, no, I I, I think it's sick, and it, it definitely is a it's like an interesting name when when you look at it. it um, for me, I, I don't think like you know typical. Oh, like this is like a like punk hardcore band, uh, but it's simply awesome. Yeah. So uh, before we get uh, deeper about the new band, I'm, I'm just curious. Um, you used to play in a band called uh, Life for uh, Life for Life back in the day, and yeah, and I was you know, obviously you know you guys uh, called it quits, and I was bummed about that because I felt like the last release you guys put out, uh, I felt you guys like were like starting to build some momentum. I, I thought the sound was really awesome, the recordings were awesome, and I, I just I never really knew why you guys called it quits. I don't know if you're able to kind of uh, dive into that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for us, we called it quits mainly. We just a lot of uh, other priorities kind of kind of popped up, and uh, you know we've had a lot of priorities throughout the years as we were growing as a band, and then it got to a point where a lot of them were kind of just kind of taking taking hold. Uh, we had some members who were starting families, and uh, other members who were kind of uh, having to work more and things like that, and it just seemed kind of like the, the best decision was to either call it quits or kind of just kind of relax on it and. Even though we're not we're not one hundred percent done, we play shows like every once in a while. But for the most part, we're, we're pretty much not really an active band. But it was mainly just priorities. Okay, that's that's fair because uh, I, I feel like uh, like your band Life for Life. When I moved to Orange County, uh, like way back in like twenty ten, I felt like I needed to get a little more in tune with what was going on like around in Southern California. So I like yeah uh and at the time like I was a newer fan of Life for Alive and I was like stoked to see what you guys were doing and then um, I don't know if you remember that a uh, standing hard fest that that used to go on Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. Yeah, so I I just remember like going out to those uh you know like solo and just like going out and checking out like all the bands that I'd never even heard of. So I I was I looked at um like you and your friends is like you know like the younger kids in my eyes that were like you know trying to keep this uh you know thing hardcore going so i, I always thought it was awesome that you guys were uh, working hard and especially from like the part of southern california that you're from i, I felt like uh there's not like a whole lot going out there or going on out there but the fact that you guys are willing to get together and you know start a band and try to uh you know keep things moving out there i, I thought that was awesome yeah and that's cool i know out here it's um uh, it, there's not too many hardcore bands out here uh a long time ago, there used to be a lot, and that's kind of when I first got into the scene. Back when I was like, I think maybe twelve or thirteen, and a lot of a lot of big bands play out here. A lot of people don't know, but like Terrace played out here before. Um, Bloodstained still used to play out here all the time. Uh, most of the, most of the bands like growing up, the Warriors used to play out here all the time, and that's kind of how I got into the music scene. So it was kind of when Life Life first started, it was really kind of just like the acknowledge a lot of music that came through here and plus it was just something we were all passionate about we still are so yeah when i think about your area like back in the day i i I think of bands like uh like sovereign strength or end note 
and or like or even going out to like Victorville. Me and my buddies used to hit up the the Trilogy Theater uh, like a lot because like, yeah. like even though like Trilogy was like in the middle of nowhere, they still got some awesome shows. Like I, I remember that was like. I went to the trilogy theater and that's where I first saw like four years strong for the first time. And then you think about like that band now, it's like, they're so like fucking huge. It's crazy. Yeah. It's funny. You say, I think I got that show. It's funny. You say that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it, it's a, when it comes to hardcore is like not too many out here. Sovereign strength too. A lot of the guys in that band, uh, I go way back with them too. So, uh, definitely friends of ours. And they, I know they were pretty, pretty big in, in, in their music scene and, and they did take off and do a lot of cool things. And for the most part, a lot of times, uh, the Animal Valley or Lancaster or even Palmdale area is just known pretty much for Southern Strength. Um, and those are all real cool guys too. So, I mean, they did a lot. They did a lot of cool things. Super, super cool with them. Yeah. Well, now it's time for, uh, Shiva to, you know, remind everybody that there's still awesome music going on out there. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, we're hoping, you know, kind of hoping that people can kind of, kind of get exposed to a lot of different types of things. I know our band, our sound is a little different. It's familiar, but a little different at the same time, if that makes sense. We tried to, uh, kind of put something out there that it's kind of like a fresh reminder of a lot of like 90s skate punk and stuff like that and just high energy and lots of fun music and, and stuff like that. It's, it's really fun. And when it came down to writing, we had an incredibly good time incredibly fun time doing it and i really hope that uh people kind of kind of understand the high energy we're trying to put out so i'm just curious uh life for life ended in 2015 and uh you and i are friends on social media and we, we talk time from uh time to time and i i remember like you know you really got into uh power uh but i didn't really you know hear about you doing any music you know from life or life till now uh in between did you try to start any new bands or did you just like needed a break and this is like the first thing you've worked on since then oh man you know it's funny you asked me that uh so when life i've got done doing stuff i fell into this like uh i think a lot of people who, who've been in bands maybe go through maybe don't but like you go through this like dry spell of kind of questioning like is music something i need to do like you know do i need to jump into the realm of the real world and you know get a job and get a house and start a family and all, all that kind of stuff and not saying you can't do that when you're participating in in this music scene but a lot of times it's kind of like one of those things where they they don't really walk side by side and i kind of fell into that realm of doing that and it actually uh Last year I played another show back in 2018, just like a comeback show because a lot of people wanted us to play, so we played. And I remember I got back uh, from playing that show and got to work, and things just didn't feel right. I, I felt like this wasn't the real me. This whole nine to five thing just wasn't the real me, at least not without any type of music in my life. So around 2018, early 2019 is when uh, me and the, some of my pals decided, like, yo, we got to do music. Here. We got to do something. It, it, to us, I felt like we were just sitting around really doing anything. And I know everyone has different experiences with it. And uh, it just felt, I felt like an empty void in me. So, <laughs> so I, I wanted to do some more, some more uh, musical stuff, I guess. And this is kind of how this thing got, got created. Yeah, that's wild. I can't imagine, um, you know, being actually, well, I lied. I was in a band uh, way back in the day, but I, it, we, we never got big. So it was never like, you know, that important to me. It was just uh, a, a thing at the time. My friends and I, we were going to local shows and uh, some of the bands from the area just started breaking up or people started moving away. So uh, it, it, us just trying to keep things together. We just started some projects 
and I didn't really get anywhere. Like uh, one of my bands, we played uh, like it was weird. Like one of the bands that I was in, we played more in Arizona because of my buddy Jeff uh, than we did at home, which was uh, really strange. But um, it was fun. And I think we served our, our purpose. Uh, we tried our hardest to keep that thing alive, but it, it eventually faded out. It was strange to not, you know, have to deal with that in my schedule, like, you know, having to deal with band practice or trying to hit up promoters to see if we can open a show or, you know, figuring out merch. Um, but uh, I, I think music was always important to me, especially like this hardcore uh, community that, that we're part of. Uh, I've never never stepped away from it like i'm always constantly searching for you know new music seeing what's out there seeing what's uh going on in different cities i'm always fascinated by uh, different scenes like obviously like we're involved in the southern california scene it's cool but it's normal for me because i've been here my whole life but i'm always curious what's going on in like other states and other cities but yeah it, it would be strange to kind of step away for a bit and like not really deal with it so i'm, I'm, I'm happy that you kind of played that show in 2018 and kind of felt that void and uh you know and it kind of ended up bringing you back here and starting this new band yeah absolutely man and when you said only just because you know it wasn't necessarily that i i stepped away because i i, I would still go to shows but it just didn't feel the same knowing that i i feel like i wasn't contributing to the hardcore scene the way i wanted to and um you know i got a lot of pride with the scene i think it's terrific thing it's been for years it's been a huge part of me growing up and even now as as an adult in my late 20s I'm, i still feel like I feel the same passion towards it as I did when I was a kid. And to, to kind of distance myself for like, I think maybe a year and a half, it just didn't feel right. So I, <laughs> I had to cr kind of crawl right back to, I guess without making it sound cliche, crawl back to something that kind of, I feel like has, the only thing that's really accepted me. So yeah, you know, hell, hell yeah. Well, beautiful music, beautiful people. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, yeah, I, I definitely do remember seeing you from uh, time to time and, you know, you always seem in good spirits. I don't think I've ever seen you like down or in a bad mood. Oh yeah, no, life's too short, man. Life's okay. way too short. I, you know, we've all been, we've all had had upsetting times, and I, you know, I've had mine. I've had the worst of mine throughout the years, also just like anyone else. But you know, I feel like when I get to certain areas, like going to shows and stuff, it's kind of like my, uh, I guess it's kind of like my sanctuary. So yeah it's like definitely like a um even though like for, for me it's like like you know like a part of me throughout the day i'm like you know constantly listening to music but it, it's like it's just nice to kind of uh, show up and be at a show it, it just feels different than just you know kind of being out and about doing stuff yeah yeah it's a different experience completely different i got some friends who've listened to a lot of hardcore music but they've never been to shows and there's one friend maybe a couple of years ago i took him to his first show and uh it was Trapped in Rice, actually. They played with uh, Force Orders maybe in 2000. I want to say 18. I hope I'm not wrong, but he was listening to Trapped in Rice for like three or four years before that, but he he's not part of the scene. He used to live in uh, Oklahoma, so he moved out to Southern California, and like one of the first things we did within his six months being here was go to Trapped in Rice show, and uh, it was definitely a crazy experience for him. He just didn't know. He's seen videos, but it's different when you're in that realm, right? Yeah. So. And especially, uh, uh, I feel like sometimes video can make a venue look bigger than it actually is. So when you're actually in there, in the pit, like amongst the chaos, it, it doesn't feel like as open as like, you know, you watching it on video. Oh, yeah, it's definitely more intimate when you, you can actually feel the heat, <laughs> feel mm -hmm. the heat of uh, all the bodies next to you and kind of, you know, the, the speakers sound much louder than they do on your computer. So it's, it's more of an intimate feeling. 
Damn. That, that, and uh, how old was your friend when you took him to that show in 2018? Um, so he's around my age. He might be a year younger than me. So he's back then. He might have been maybe 20, 26, 25 or 26. Holy shit. So, but again, he, he never, like, he isn't hardcore music or anything that's like a subgenre of it or punk or anything like that. Never really interested. He like he grew up listening to rap, which is I grew up listening to nothing but rap also. Uh-huh. So you know we we used to connect on that, and I was like, hey man, you know if you like you like rap, you might like this too. I grew up listening to this, and that's when he kind of started listening to Trap and Rice about three or four years prior to that show, and then took him to it. Incredibly chaos. He talked about it for about a week after that, just a straight up week. Yeah, and, and uh, by any chance, do you remember which venue it was at? Um, I think it was the Echo. Okay, damn, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, I can do that's so wild because I can't imagine, uh, you know, somebody showing up, and damn, first show trapped in their eyes. That's insane. Yeah, because they, they always put on a good show and they, like always a good turnout. And you know, obviously they have a lot of love, so those shows always pop off. So I'm just trying to picture like you know walking to the room for the first time and not really knowing what to expect, and then getting kind of thrown into that, and just being like blown away. Yeah, that's awesome though. Yeah, no, he was definitely excited. He was nervous walking up to it. I was like, man, relax, man. It's going to be all right, you know? <laughs> just go in there, man. <laughs> just chill. You know, you're going to have a good time. And he did. He had an incredibly, incredibly cool time. So, yeah, that's so sick. And I don't think, I don't think, I know uh, going to shows like that, it is an acquired taste to the outside world, I guess, though. So he went to it. He had fun. He liked it. And then he talked about it for about a week. And then he told me, like, hey, that was fun, but I probably wouldn't go again. And it's <laughs> one of those things where, I feel like the hardcore scene, it's, it's, um, if you don't grow up with it, it's harder. Once you're an adult, it's harder to understand. Like my parents will see videos and be like, like what are y'all doing? Y'all look crazy. And it's hard to explain what's going on. Like this level of, you know, intimacy and passion that we're having at these shows. It's hard to explain that to people when you get towards your later years. I feel like I could be wrong, but he, he liked it. It was fun, but I don't think he'd want to go to another one again. So. Yeah, I I don't even know because when I first started going to hardcore shows, I was a freshman in high school, and like I didn't have any friends. So going to hardcore shows and eventually making friends and finally feeling like you know, that I belong somewhere and was a part of something, uh, it was just always like fun to me. And obviously, I was exposed to it pretty young, and it, it's been like a nonstop thing ever since. So I, I yeah, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to. Uh, you know, be uh, and I. I guess it's like the the only way to like describe it. It's like be like normal and not know what hardcore shows are like, and then show up and uh, try to understand because because it, it is weird, uh, you know, to see people you know throwing their limbs like super crazy and like you know the, the aggressiveness of the music. Yeah, jumping into the crowd and everything. I mean, my mom used to ask me how like, I was growing up. She's like, "You guys on drugs?" No, <laughs> she didn't. Know. She my mom's from the south, you okay. know, so. Both my parents being African-American, they don't, what are y'all doing? They don't know what none of that is. And I mean, they're glad that everyone's okay, but it looks chaotic. And my friend also, who, who I just mentioned, he's African-American too. So, you know, I'm not saying that, obviously his music is 100% for a lot of, you know, it's open for everybody. But obviously when you do grow up listening to certain music and belonging to a certain demographic, um, having certain exposure to different types of music is rare sometimes. And, you know. Do you ever go so to... For him, it's interesting. Uh, have you ever been to any uh, rap shows? Yeah, yeah. I used to go to rap shows a lot. Uh, but I haven't been to one in a long time. Last time I went to was uh, Joey Badass a couple years ago. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I went to Day in Vegas last, last year. Oh, that's Day in Vegas last November. Okay. I, I always think it's funny uh, when I go to these rap shows and uh, the uh, whoever's performing wants to see a mosh pit. And it's like, it's, it's not like, oh, it's not the type of mosh pit that we're accustomed to. Um, it's like yeah. the, the push mosh. And it, it's wild to see so many of like uh, so many like you know teenagers get excited for their or for the mosh pit, and I and I just I just sit back and watch them. Wow, that first of all, that's like like crazy. I, I wouldn't want to be in like that big of a crowd and doing what they're doing, just pushing each other because that's kind of annoying. I don't want anybody really touching me. Uh, but but I think it's yeah, it's, I'm the same way. But yeah, but but it's just really funny th- for them to get just so excited for this like mosh pit that is like really not nearly as intense as like some of the things that we've experienced. Yeah, you know, it's funny though. I saw, uh, you know, speaking of Denzel Curry, I saw Denzel Curry a couple years ago. And he asked for, uh, um, he called it, uh, he said, I want to see a tornado right now in the crowd. And me and my friends are like, a, a tornado? What the hell is that? He's like, man, I'm not going to say it again. I want to see a tornado. Everyone start doing a tornado. And I'm sitting there scratching my head, looking around like, what, what in the world is a, a tornado? And before I know it, the crowd starts doing a circle pit. And it was the biggest circle pit I've ever seen in my life. And I felt, I don't know, I felt like salty about it because <laughs> I felt kind of, you know, I go, I've been going to shows my whole life and I see a circle pit and I'm thinking, this actually looks like a violent thing I don't want to be a part of. I started feeling like my parents or people who were from the outside world okay, looking at this and really saying like, this is chaotic. <laughs> Even though it's something I've been doing for years, but something about it just looked wild. But I think it's because I was so caught off guard. He's asking for tornado, and he, which is weird at a rap show for a circle pit to ignite. So I'm sitting there caught off guard. I'm in the middle of it. I'm thinking, do I run? Do I duck? Do I hide? What do I do? So I felt a little out of place, but it, it's kind of it's funny because a lot of rap shows they are like somehow adding a lot of these, uh, I guess like a uh, subculture. Uh, styles of having fun at shows and it's it's uh it's weird it's it's cool to see but it's it is weird right yeah but i i feel like like more recently like uh circle pitting hasn't been uh like a cool thing to do because i i like it still happens but i feel like when i was younger and like when circle pit parts would pop off like i feel like more people participated Oh, you mean at, like at hardcore shows or? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Or, at, at hardcore shows. Oh yeah, and I agree with you, man. I like circle pits. Growing up, that was my favorite thing to do. I feel like it's been a huge decline the past couple of years of like lack of circle pits. I mean, there'll be bands that have like, I guess like a, a circle pit portion in, in their songs, but the, the crowd sometimes doesn't pick up to it. And that's cool. I mean, you know, things generations change, people change, and that's that's just cool. But I, I definitely miss circle pits, man. That was like to me. That was like the the ultimate, ultimate way to mosh was running in the circle. As, as crazy as that might sound, but that was like the funniest thing to do. Yeah, I feel like so. I agree with you. I feel like it's a long time. Okay, but damn, that's that's wild. I feel like, um, like I, I went and saw Trash Talk a couple of years ago, and I love Trash Talk. I, I feel like they're uh, an awesome band. I love their entire discography, even like the newest record they just put out a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, but it was definitely kind of strange because it, it was like a like a mixed show. It was like Trash Talk and then like just a bunch of rappers. And yeah, no, Kenny Beastie was on there. He did some stuff with them. Yeah, and like I, I showed up and they're 
like I felt like the majority of the crowd were like uh like I guess the best way to describe them are like golf wing kids. Yeah. His little uh his fan base man. Yeah. So, not his, I'm sorry, uh how do I say Tyler's fan base, right? <laughs> but um but yeah, but it, it was interesting because uh kids uh weren't like moshing, but kids knew the words, like uh like everybody was like piling on, singing along, uh stage diving, circle pitting, but no real moshing and i was like this is this is kind of weird but i was like okay i was like i, I get it they kind of sh- i feel like they kind of made a shift and uh stopped doing more of like you know your traditional hardcore shows and they kind of started just doing their own thing and started going in like that direction playing with like you know uh like these underground rappers right but um it's interesting it was uh, definitely cool to see the crossover but then also strange at the same time because uh, I I got to witness like you know kids enjoying them in a different way. Yeah, it's kind of like a I don't want to call them brand new kids. That sounds like almost offensive. It's like people who you feel like okay, one second. Like I remember I used to go to these shows and watch trash talking. It was a completely different world, and it just seems like a different generation. I guess right. I saw trash talking. Uh, I forgot it was almost like more than ten years ago. I saw a trash talk out out in Palmdale. Um, at a death hall, they played with Violation, and it was like thirteen kids there. That's wild. And I just, I, I, who would have known? Yeah, who would have known that years later, it would have not only been a band still, but would have been like twenty times bigger. So, yeah. Who's? Uh, do you know who's booking their shows back then? Uh, back then it was Heart Attack Promotions. Oh damn, that sounds so familiar. Yeah, it was a. Uh, there was a, it was Ben and Maria. Uh, actually, Ben, uh, he was a in charge, one of the people in charge of. He actually passed away not too long ago. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of a, uh, lot of the shows I grew up going to watch, you know, pretty much Heart Attack Promotions was responsible for all of them. Our, Life for Life's very first show, Heart Attack Promotions was responsible for. So. That's insane. Um, so. I'm really curious because I'm not familiar with the other members in Shiva. Can you talk about uh, how you're uh, friends with them and how you guys decided to start this new band? Yeah, so the interesting thing about Shiva is um, there's, there's me and then there's other people in the band who are uh, in different bands that are of different genres. And we kind of thought that that was a cool thing to piece together a band with, uh, I guess you'd call it Fresh Ears people who don't really uh, listen to hardcore as much. Of course, they like it, but they don't listen to it as much. So we have um, our drummer, Carlos. He was in a band a couple years ago called Owl's Head. Um, They're pretty pretty big, pretty well-known. They were definitely a different band, kind of heavier, you know, not not really a punk rock, I guess you can call them. And then our bass player, Alex, he comes from a band called uh, Captain Smooth Talk, and they are a ska band. So we thought it was kind of cool to piece that together completely different ends of uh you know subgenres to come up with something that's different that's what we, that was the plan at least and it was fun it was kind of cool to work with him uh very talented musicians and there's also our guitarist cole me and cole have been friends for uh, over 10 years he used to be a he used to be based in life for life years ago also so we kind of me and him have always wanted to do a project anyway we just never got around to doing it until uh pretty much till last year we kind of came together and started start working together and then and then we recruited the other two guys and then i got a popping hell yeah that that's awesome to hear and that, that, that's interesting I, 
that some of the members just uh you know are like you know outside of like you know the hardcore bubble i, I remember there's this yeah. uh, there's this band from up north and they like broke up like late last year i think uh, they're called like infirmary they're from like the bay area and uh they're like, younger kids and uh some of them just came from like the indie rock scene or you know i i know the vocalists listen to like a lot of travis scott and uh asap mob and weren't like your traditional hardcore kids and but they wrote right. awesome but they wrote awesome music and i was just so surprised i was like holy shit like these kids who are way newer to hardcore who uh came from these other scenes uh you know came in and uh, just wrote amazing music and i was like this is awesome like I, i'm definitely into that so it, it's definitely cool that uh, you and your friends were able to uh, you know craft this new record um and uh, do you guys call it an EP or it's just, um, you know, you're just calling it like your first record? Um, we're calling it an EP. It's like an extended play. Our first track is called Groove. So we just say, hey, let's just, the record's Groove also. Uh, so it's, it's pretty much an extended play EP. It's seven songs, uh, pretty high energy. So, Okay. And I, I'm just curious, um, the title track is uh, Groove. Uh, how'd you guys decide on that for being the album name? So for are you mean as far as just the reason why we decided to name it that or yeah. So the concept of groove, uh, give a heads up. The names are just names. We that's the one thing really we don't want to overthink this band. You know, I feel like we've been in enough bands where we overthink everything. So for the titles of these songs, that the titles don't have so much as much meaning as the actual lyrics do. If that makes any sense. So we said let's just call it groove. I feel like it was like one of the first songs we did. We're like, oh, it's a groovy track. It's a groovy track. Like, hey, let's call it Groove. So we didn't put a whole lot of thought into that, but lyrically, uh, Groove is definitely kind of a, I don't know how to say, it's more of a, uh, a song about defiance. We're pretty much trying to, uh, it's, a, it's a pledge of allegiance to be yourself, to be who you want to be and only you. Uh, a lot of the stuff we kind of wrote lyrically around when a lot of this uh, chaotic stuff was happening in this country uh, just like a month ago. A lot of, killing a lot of protesting and this whole idea of uh, you can be who you want to be without anyone trying to judge you um being strong-willed um and you know from there kind of just spins into something we're huge fans of individuality and this song pretty much represents that the best it can okay that's awesome and um and one thing i was curious about is uh the creation of the band did it start before the whole pandemic um, popped off. So when it when uh, me and Cole first got together, we definitely were together, kind of writing stuff around. I would say August of last year. Oh wow! And we were just kind of slowly, just like kind of messing with stuff. And see, Cole doesn't normally play guitar. So that's why this was a fun thing. He he normally does bass and plays drums. And he was like, hey, you know, I've been kind of messing with the guitar, and you know, I was kind of messing with the drums also. And we just kind of started piecing some things together. And, and we came up with an idea. We're like, "Hey, man, let's uh, let's see if we can start like a band or something right now." Okay, that's and, uh, that's yeah, kind of kind of piece together from there. Okay, and um, so you guys started writing stuff last August. Uh, at what point did you guys kind of realize, like, oh shit, like we actually have something. Like, this isn't just going to be some random thing that we start that we don't finish. Like, this is actually going to like you know grow into something really awesome. Uh, it was actually around Christmas time last year when we were like looking at what we had and we were like, this is going to be kind of fun, man. This is, I remember I said, this is kind of different, man. I kind of like, I'm digging this, man. You know, let's, 
let's let's throw this together. So we pretty much were able to kind of have a, an awakening right then. Like, hey, this is going to be something. At least we're going to make it something bigger than us just jamming, man. So it was around December when we we figured, hey, let's let's start getting it together. Let's get this going. Okay, and um, w- w- one thing I was curious about is like I, I wasn't aware of uh, Shiva until that No Echo article, but you guys put out uh, a, a demo song um, back out in, in like March. But I was curious, like how come? Yeah, I, I, I didn't really see you promote it like heavy or you know try to push it. Um, so I, like I was like actually surprised like when I went to the band camp and I saw that you you had some uh, you know, older stuff from what I was listening to. So the interesting thing about that demo is, uh, and this is kind of where uh, I kind of look at Cole, a guitar player, as, as being incredibly creative. We were able to actually to demo tracks without actually, you know, having any real instruments in there. I mean, we had instruments, but it was more just me and Cole just for that, because a lot of the COVID stuff was happening. We wanted to get something out as quick as we can, just for fun, kind of show people, hey, this is what we've been kind of working on. So he kind of just used his, his, uh, his Mac, kind of just, demoed exactly what the songs were the structure came out 100 percent perfect and that's kind of talent on his part he was able to do that and uh he kind of kind of not perfected but he kind of learned how to mix and master as quick as he can just to kind of get it to sound the quality we wanted to sound for a demo we went ahead and just released that on spotify and you know put it on some streaming services just for fun just to kind of see if anyone would listen to it and then uh when a couple of people were like hey this is real cool and of course this is after we decided we were going to make it make it something bigger a lot of other people were really stoked to hear it they knew we were working on something and that's kind of when we decided hey man like let's let's put the rest of the stuff out there man you know kind of get it going let's, let's keep moving with it and so obviously that uh, first demo song came out in march and the record came out literally yesterday uh was there any yeah. was there ever any thought to uh kind of hold back on the release since we're, we are in the middle of a pandemic and uh, these are strange times. Was there any thought to maybe wait to see if things cleared up and um, open back up and maybe, you know, try to tie uh, a show to the release or do, were you guys just like not really, you know, um, willing to wait and you guys just wanted to get it out as soon as possible? Um, we figured that there was a lot of discussion about, Hey, like maybe we should wait, maybe we shouldn't. And we decided, Hey, let's just go ahead and put it out that way. Uh, you know, People have the opportunity to listen to it. I know when you go to a show, a lot of people do get exposed to music that way. Uh, sometimes people don't even, they won't even check out your, your Instagrams and your band camps and all that stuff. Sometimes they don't even look at that. And it's not until they see you play live where they actually get that exposure. And that was kind of the conflict. But we kind of decided, hey, we really have nothing but time either way. So let's just go ahead and put it out right now. And then, you know, we got all kinds of time from now until we can play a show to kind of push this record let people know we exist, let people know that something something is growing right here. And also, I do want to take advantage of the internet age. I feel like we do live in a world where the internet is literally the, the best way to discover things. Even though there are shows and whatnot, shows are cool, but the internet and streaming, to me, is the best exposure a band can get right now. There's plenty of bands that I love that I've never seen live. And I don't really picture myself seeing them even live, even if they are active bands but it's because I was able to find them on the internet. So I feel like it, it wouldn't have hurt to me. It didn't hurt to just go ahead and let's just, let's just let it out, man. Why not? 
Okay, because I, I feel like during these times, whenever I, I I see a new band pop up, I'm like, oh, cool, uh, another quarantine band. But that, but you know, I obviously I don't uh, tell them that publicly or uh, you know tell them yeah, or right. message that to them. That's just uh, my thoughts. Is it's like, okay, cool, this is like another new band popping up during this time, this quarantine era, whatever. It's like this weird thing that I do, but um, but but I think it's awesome. Like I, I'm cool with it though, man. Yeah, and like I, I think I think I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It's fine. I think I think the corn I think quarantine bands are cool, man, because it goes to show like when you're anything, you have nothing to do. How creative you? How creative can you be? I feel like this is like a game. Not of course not the circumstances we're put in because uh-huh. it is a pretty serious circumstance we're in. But I do feel like when you're quarantined, you're in your home, and a lot of people unfortunately are out of work, unfortunately, and there's like not too much you can do. And I feel like usually when you feel a certain way is when your creative side does come out. I feel like there's a lot of passion and even even within pain i feel like the best the best emotion create the best project sometimes so i'm i'm, I'm like full support of the quarantine band i know it's, that might be kind of corny to others but i think hey man if your band came out in the quarantine era man that's 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 dope that means that you guys were still trying to produce as much music as you can without you know the variable of being able to play shows and to me that I, at least how i picture it, when i see other bands that come out i think that's that's cool man it goes to show that they, you know, they're really trying to put in that work to me. For sure. Not yeah. again. Not speaking on behalf of my band, but just when I see other bands, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely like that mindset. Uh, I'm always just kind of uh, just like observing because I don't know if uh, you know bands feel any pressure to to kind of stay in, in front of people's faces to to not get forgotten. Because um, obviously, I feel like it's like it's like a constant battle for for every band because there's always just new music coming out and you can get lost in the shovel. So uh, I I think it's um, I I'm not mad at listening to music. I like I love it. I think it's cool. But I, I'm always curious like uh, if it's the right move because I, I just never know uh, like you know how successful or or if it's going to be like a good thing. But but I'm down for it, whatever. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, you question longevity. That makes that actually makes a lot of sense to do especially because sometimes these bands will pop up and you know they'll give you the two two peace signs and then they're gone right yeah they have no pressure to they're not playing shows they have don't have any pressure to really even stay relevant or at least have that that mentality to stay relevant so i completely understand where you're coming from with that okay so uh one thing i was curious about with uh, shiva like obviously uh you're a part of the hardcore scene and i know you guys are featured on no echo which is like predominantly like a hardcore website um and you guys aren't like you know like a straight up traditional hardcore uh but do you guys want to be that band that plays a ton of hardcore shows or are you guys going to try to go out and play different kinds of shows um i think definitely hardcore shows man we're open to anything only because i think music Music is just music is the only language that people I feel like really can understand. So I feel like we're we're one hundred percent gonna play anywhere, but definitely hardcore scene only because that's why I've lived and I've breathed is all hardcore, and that's definitely a a, a first stop. We definitely want to be in hardcore scene. Uh, there's a lot of friends I have in bands that I, I would love to still be you know playing with them. Even friends who used to play with Life for Life that are currently still in bands that I you know I, I definitely still want to play with. So. Definitely want to still be jamming with those guys. Oh yeah, I I feel like uh, I've kind of you know sent it, like the Spotify link and your music video link to uh, a couple of my friends like around the country to kind of you know see what they think, and I, I've gotten like a lot of good like positive feedback, 
and which i think is cool because like like no joke uh i i listened to the record and i really enjoyed it i i, I love the the high energy i love that you guys kind of tap into different sound like different sounds not all the songs sound the same so i was like this is cool this right. is like i feel like uh like another like cool addition to like you know southern california to, to have another cool band to be able to to book and play shows because um, like obviously uh, you know la orange county san diego like yeah there's like a ton of bands but i, I feel like you guys are just doing something a little different something that we need something you know fast-paced high energy and I, I think a lot of kids uh you know who don't know about you guys um will be into it like once they figure out and listen to the new record yeah that's kind of that's what we're hoping for um i know it is definitely different and we might be an acquired taste but i do feel like the things that are usually an acquired taste are usually the best <laughs> or not the best but they definitely they definitely stand out for a reason uh so and also i do feel like the the sound we're we're, we're kind of coming from we're influenced by is the roots man it's, it's the roots and a lot of people define the roots differently but for us at least i feel like any the, the closer you are to punk hardcore the that's the roots man and nothing's nothing's wrong with any of the other bands either I, most of the bands i actually love a lot Mm-hmm. A lot. Some of those are my favorite bands, as a matter of fact. But I feel like we want to do something that was fun, super high energy. You know, I want to have an asthma stack when I when I when we play. Like that's how I want it to be that that energetic. So okay. And I so the whole like aesthetic of the band. Like I go to the the band camp. It's uh, very bright. The album work very bright. Uh, you know, the music video is. It's like you know it's bright is that the kind of uh, you know theming that you're kind of going for with this band or is it all just like coincidence uh no we were trying to go for vibrant colors only because um i feel like psychologically when you see things that are are bright or more colorful it does let off a different feeling when you when you see those things and i do want our our band our, our message is definitely positivity um having an upbeat attitude which I know is definitely the almost opposite how life for life was very different. But I feel like this is as an adult, I feel like a band like this is exactly for me personally, what I need. And lyrically I was able to kind of, you know, with the help of, of people in the band, lyrically we were able to kind of express exactly how we're feeling at this age. Uh, you know, when you feel like there's, there's no turning back on certain things, you feel like, you know, it's, things are just so down south. I, I feel like this is exactly what we needed. So, the vibrant colors are very important. Oh yeah, I, I, I definitely like that explanation. That, that's awesome. Uh, one like weird thing that I do when I listen to new records in my mind, I like like to listen to the whole record front to back because I want to try to get a whole, uh, you know, try to get the feel of the whole record and figure out like what my favorite track track is. And then I also like to kind of try to predict like what song would the single be and listening to uh, groove front to back a couple times and uh you i'm going with i'm um, excuse me going with happy as the the single i was like oh i was like okay this is i think this was like the the perfect choice to kind of be like the introductory song uh you know for everybody to kind of get into the band um can you talk about uh, right. how you guys came to that like you know conclusion to choose i'm um, happy as the single um for us we felt like happy um, I had a had a mix when, we, when it was being written, a mix of definitely the the punk rock punk rock aesthetic as well as still some of the hardcore aesthetics, um, with a little bit of pop in it. And we kind of felt like this is if we had to sum up at least in my opinion the whole record into one song. We thought Happy 
kind of fairly represents all of it. It has pretty much every genre that we feel like we're influenced by on this record kind of packed into one song. So that's why we kind of felt like that was the, the perfect single. Hell yeah. No, and that's a great choice because like uh, w- when I first heard it, I was like, this is so sick. And then like, and you guys did did something that I I feel like more bands should do. You guys came out with a music video, which I think is like super awesome. And the fact that uh, you're able to watch it um, in 5K, 4K, you know, 1080p. I I just love that. You know, it, it's 2020, and you guys put out a quality music video. And I was just like so excited to just see it because I feel like it, music videos are fun, and uh, and like you kind of get to see like the more like artistic side of the band and uh, the route that you guys went I, I I thought was super awesome like with the the whole like car vibe and you know just kind of just like going down like you know through different parts of town I I, I thought it was just super awesome so I, I feel like more bands should do music videos and I'm glad that you guys uh, did one yeah man we, we also kind of felt because of uh uh when we filmed the video we kind of having a feeling that things are going to shut down soon we filmed this a while back we started thinking like hey you know what once this thing is done let's definitely release it since we can't play shows what other way can we really kind of show our face and this is kind of what I was you know when I mentioned the internet age I feel like well hey we could put this video out around the time we released the album also uh, one because that's something we've always wanted to do I don't know me growing up watching like TRL and stuff uh, a lot of like my favorite rappers they would drop a single and a video at the same time. And so we kind of tried to mimic mimic that because that was always so cool to be growing up. And and two, as far as the quality of the video, we felt we felt kind of like, hey man, like we need something that looks good, looks clean. And uh, I'm a huge movie buff. I don't know if you know that, but I love movies. Uh, so, I, uh, I, with, the, with the help of my... Uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no worries. The help of like my, my band members and we had a Juan, our buddy Juan, who uh, does plenty of other, who's an excellent cinematography very excellent filming and all that stuff uh and his his, his uh, assistant who was there with mike they both did a killer job and so seeing some of the angles they hit some of the transitions it was beautiful and i'm, I'm so glad we were able to work with them yeah it was like seriously I, I watched it probably like maybe like five or six times and i i, I just love it like i i just like that uh because like you know it's some of my favorite bands these days like i'll go back and like watch their older music videos and uh, they just weren't shot in like you know HD uh, or like 4K, so they're like stuck at like you know 480p or 260p, and you're just like, holy crap! Like these, like like the quality of it is just so bad. It's like you can't even really see like yeah. what's going on. So I, I'm just happy that there's a new music video from a band that I like that is you know good quality, and I enjoyed watching it. and It was fun. We had a killer time, man. <laughs> so killer time. We got the that car was Joe Snap's car. He let us borrow it for the for the video, and it was it was nice nice thing to ride in, man. So yeah, the little tassels on the inside. Uh, did, did you guys bring that skeleton, or is that a, a part of the car? Man, that's all part of the car, man. He, <laughs> he rolled up, and we were shocked to see like all the cool things that he had in there. So that was that was all him, and it was a it was kind of a privilege to be able to kind of roll with him on that, and and uh be in the in the car and see all the cool things in there so okay and uh just curious the the opening shot uh is that your house that you're walking out of 
Nah, man. I was, uh, one of my friends asked me that. He's like, hey, man, that's your crib? Like, let me stay at night. I, said, nah, I ain't no fool. I ain't gonna put my own crib in the video so people can roll up on me. I got family in the hood, man. I ain't trying to deal with all that. Okay. So right. now nah, it's not. <laughs> it's not my. It's not my crib, though. Okay, because I was curious because when you were uh, walking out the door, you're you kind of like looking up. So I wasn't sure if that's like you know something you do before you leave your house, like if there's like a photo or something hanging up there. So I, I was just curious. That's what I was asking. Yeah. So this is. I'm afraid of spiders, man. And there's a spider up there, and I was just trying to get it out the doorway. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny. Okay. Yeah, trying to get. It. I was just trying to move as quick as I can. So. <laughs> That's wild. All right, for sure. That's cool. But um, yeah, that house was uh, really blue. Yeah, no, it was pretty blue house. Uh, but the, the person who let us use that house, shout out to them if they listen to this. But that was really nice of them to do that. Also, because you know we were trying to come up with like a some sort of a storyline, and we were like, hey, we need to come out of a house, but whose house are we going to use? And nobody really wanted to volunteer their own house, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because uh, who knows? Like maybe down the down the line, that house could be famous, and you're gonna get like random fans showing up and taking pictures outside in front of your house. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, okay, and uh, just curious, how long did that video shoot take? Because like you know, I, I felt uh, I felt like you know, trying to drive down you know the streets or you know the shots where the camera was like in front and the car was like rolling towards the camera. Like I, I was just really curious, how long did did the whole shoot take? So from beginning to end, the shoot was about about ten hours. Just just to get the perfect shots, and uh, there's certain areas that we had to reshoot because uh, some of the street street roads there was tons of cars. Right, we had to wait for the cars to clear out. Or uh, there, I think it was one shot we we're driving. There's a car we didn't know we were doing. We were just like honking their horns, like frantically trying to get us out the way. So we had to re- redo that shot. There's another shot where someone yelled something at me. I mean, if, if you're familiar with Antelope Valley, the area we shot wasn't the best area. <laughs> so, that you know, we kind of had to kind of make do what we had. It took about 10 hours, but it, it was still 100% fun. Mm-hmm. And was it, like, important for you to shoot it, like, in your area versus, like, you know, driving out to, like, you know, L.A. or uh, San Diego or anything like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this is our hometown, so it, it's important. I feel like to shoot videos in your hometown, the, the place you grew up and whether you like it or not man it's it's, it's a piece of you it's what made you so 100 percent was important to shoot it there okay and uh at the end of the video you kind of uh, leave us with a cliffhanger um is this going to be like a like a ongoing thing or, you know like do you guys already have the next video already made or are you guys gonna have to you know continue the shot from where it left off you have to see man Oh, have to wait for it. <laughs> okay, because like honestly, I I, I thought I told about... you, I told... <laughs> go ahead. I'm a, I'm a movie fan, man. I'm a movie fan. I told you storylines, dude. Okay. Storylines, everything, everything. We're every. I think that because everyone is band loves movies, we're trying to kind of uh, make a story with some of these coming out. And, and I don't want to confirm or deny more videos, but we're definitely not done shooting. So. Okay, because back in the day, like I, I don't know, I don't know if you remember, but like uh, sometimes, like you know, bigger artists they would uh, do a music video, but there would be uh, you know two songs in one video. So like the majority of right of, of the song would be like the single, but then they, like you know towards like the the end they would you know cut in like another track to kind of just kind of give that like a little more promo too. So like when I was like mm. watching it, I, I thought I thought that's what you guys were gonna do, but then it just cut. And I'm like, oh shit! I was like, damn! Like it, it just ended. So I'm like, all right, cool. I was like, I guess. Um, I'll have to wait to see what happens. So I'm definitely curious, but, yeah, but, but I yeah, like that. that was, uh, the, the, 
what you just referenced is definitely a huge influence to the ending of that video. That's, that's all I can say. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, uh, I, I want to talk to you about movies, but I, I feel like I, I have to bring up, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the George Floyd situation. Uh, and right. there's been a bunch of protests that have been going on that are still going on. Uh, you know, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. I'm just curious um, how this whole you know, past month has, has affected you and um, what you're going through. Right. Um, it's a pretty tough time. I I feel like um, a lot of things that are happening, I'm happy that people's eyes are, are finally being opened to a lot of these things. Uh, I hate to say for someone, if I had to make it personal, I hate to say someone like me, a lot of people who might have been aware are still, still weren't at least 100% aware of something that to a lot of people is just an everyday thing. Uh, me as an African-American, man, I got stories after stories. I can write a book of, of, of pretty much me being treated a certain way. And I do feel like, uh, when it comes to the way the, the, you know, the police handle, the cops handle that thing, it's trash, man. It's super trash. And it's still trash to this day. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a pretty typical thing. Police, we, everyone knows how cops are. I don't, you know, I don't trust cops never have, never will for personal reasons and for other reasons. And that's just how I've always been. Um, especially growing up with my family, growing up with relatives, when you see 12, you look, you're looking the other way. You got nothing to say to them. And even as an adult, I mean, I feel, I still feel the same. And I, uh, I got relatives who do live close to where the George Floyd thing happened. And it was uh, pretty hectic when a lot of the stuff went down. Pretty hectic, but it was basically crying out how do i say it's crying out for help when no one's going to help you what do you do right you've been demanding for change for so long and no one's going to change what do you do all this symbolism isn't enough we need actual change and that's what we were asking for you didn't get it i mean i hate to say it man it's run amok you know yeah it's definitely been rough to kind of see like how that whole situation you know uh went down with the the officers and uh and like you know, the, the video of that one officer just like walking around in walmart just shopping like like nothing happened uh it's definitely like definitely like a rough go and i'm i'm like i'm not glad that it happened but i'm just uh happy that the the world is more aware of what's going on with uh, these injustices and uh like how corrupt and like backwards like our system is in our country so with all these yeah. um, protests and petitions and like, you know, we're seeing some change, but I'm, I'm hoping that it doesn't let up and we see some actual like real string or excuse me, real change in like the structure of, of like this whole country. Cause it's, it, it's definitely uh, pretty crazy to see, um, you know, how wrong like this, like whole system has been running for so long. Yeah. I mean, systematically and, and, Unfortunately, traditionally, like this has been such an ongoing thing. Uh, there's all kinds of documentaries about it. There's one on Netflix, uh, particularly called 13th. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but, uh, it talks about the prison system. But what it really does catch an eye to is, um, the, the reason why I guess police and the justice system and even prisons, the reason why they are truly created, at least in this country, the past, you know, past hundreds of years or maybe in a hundred years. And it's just kind of wild to see that a lot of this stuff always stems back to the same 
root of just hatred. So, yeah, man. It's a tough time. It's a super tough time. You know, I got, me being, again, me being African-American, I got my mom calling me. You know, I don't live with my parents, but I, I, this thing was happening, I had them calling me saying, yo, don't go out tonight. Like, don't go out. We don't know what's going on. Don't go out. We want nothing to happen to you. Like, the fact that I, like, I hear my mom tell me that kind of made me just kind of a little upset. Like, like it's that crazy that my parents are afraid the police are going to do something. It might be, she might have been a little overdramatic, but it's still an emotion she has, right? Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah, because yeah, um, you know, a, a, like any random thing could pop off, and she just like wants you to be safe. So like, that's that's yeah. you know like awesome for her to to check up on you, but it's like definitely sad that she has to make that phone call. Yeah, exactly, man. So okay, well, yeah, that's just that's my thing. Yeah, and I I, I try my best to uh, you know uh, post about it. Uh, and just do my best to spread awareness from like the um, you know African American people that I follow, uh, that I look up to, that I feel like uh, have way more wisdom and you know uh, sense on this topic than I do because I'm not going to pretend like I know what it's like um, or that you know this is you know like my thing. I, I'm just trying to just do my best to you know share that stuff and you know give those people voices and like have them tell their stories and try to like put us all um, in the right direction. Yeah, man, that's a good thing right there. I think listening is, is a very important thing right now when it comes to uh, what's going on right now. Because a lot of times, some of these voices, voices either get silenced or they get overshadowed by other voices. You know, and I think it's important that you listen to people who really are experiencing things and really are speaking about it. I think that's the most important thing. So it, it's really cool you're doing that. Yeah, well, no, I I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, willing to talk about it because obviously, uh, you know, since this whole thing popped off, I haven't had anybody that was um, African American on the podcast, and um, just because, like, you know, I booked the podcast like uh, like a month in advance, and obviously, I I didn't know right, right. that was going to happen. So um, I'm just glad that this came together, like you know, organically, and uh, I'm you know wanted to obviously bring it up and have you speak about it. Yeah, no, man, of course. I'm, I'm I'm willing to talk to anyone about it. I do think it's important. I think a lot of people, um, especially some of my, I'm going to be sure, some of my white friends, they do have uh, not a problem talking to me about it, but they always feel this, like, this shed of guilt when they want to speak to me about it. And I do encourage people with what's going on now, it's not about being guilty. It's about just listening. Just listen to what your friends are saying uh, and hear them out. Because this is an experience that that you're not experiencing, and they are. So it's important to really just listen. I do think, again, like I said, you you do an excellent job by by sharing those posts and talking to people. You know, seeing what's going on, seeing what their thoughts are on this. I think thoughts uh, are very important, especially in this. I think the hardcore scene, especially, is about thoughts and speaking. We're such a defiant uh, subgenre, and I think when we put our brains together, man, we could dominate. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I like, uh, you know, seeing all the, the, you know, people in hardcore and even the, the majority of the bands come together and, you know, raise a ton of money and raise a ton of awareness uh, for this movement. And, and like, it, it was really awesome to see, uh, everybody come together, um, in, in this moment together, especially since there, there hasn't really been any shows. Uh, and we've all kind of just been in this, like, you know, uh, pandemic situation together. So for, for everybody still to be able to, you know, be united on this one topic. Well, the majority of everybody, um, you know, in hardcore, all on the same side. I, I thought it was like super awesome, and I, I was like really proud to be able to, um, you know, donate and 
purchase these shirts that are you know where the proceeds were being donated i, I was really happy to, to see that and be able to be a part of it no yeah it's cool man uh it's it's funny tell i was talking to somebody who wasn't a part of the hardcore scene who was uh they're curious on what what the scene the music uh, my music scene that i'm a part of what we were doing for it and when they got to, they were able to see all the stuff you just mentioned about the donating and um all these uh GoFundMe towards things, they were like amazed and they actually themselves started kind of paying more attention and donating and things like that. So I agree with you, man. I think that the hardcore scene and music scene is definitely when we when we come together as a collective, man, we could take over this world, man. <laughs> so Yeah. All right. Well I appreciate you um speaking on that. And I just want to switch gears. I, I know you had mentioned that uh, you're, a, you're a movie buff. And I, I remember you used yeah. to um, uh, post on Twitter. You, you used to uh, you know, uh, tweet about these movies that you watched. And uh, not going to lie, when uh, you know, these like big, bigger box office releases, like, like the comic book movies would come out, I, I was always curious to see um, what you had to say. Because obviously, uh, like, I, I, I'm not a film buff at all. Like, I, I just like watch a ton of romantic comedies. And I'll just try to stumble upon other movies that I'm into. Into. So I, I always look to friends who are actually into uh, movies way more than I am that have way more knowledge about like, you know, the like the finer details. So I, I always right. uh, did enjoy that from you. But I, I feel like I, I haven't really seen that um, as of late. Obviously, the movies have been closed, but I, I feel like uh, like I can't remember the last time I saw you do a post like that. Yeah, man, honestly, it's, it's weird. I grew up watching movies. I mean, the, when I was a kid, my parents used to work. 24-7 and they didn't trust me with no nanny and like that so I mean I, I don't know if it's messed me up today but growing up I would just sit in front of TV all day every day watch movies watch shows uh, I, I know I feel like I know a lot about actors and actresses and all kinds of things and because of that I kind of grew into now my dad he was the one who really got me in the movies we started you know watching kung fu movies um, uh, science fiction movies The Matrix is still my favorite movie to this day I do guys tell you, I am a sucker for romantic comedy. So you want to have a conversation about those any day. I've seen a good chunk of those. Also. Okay. <laughs> I've seen all the uh, romantic comedies, all the uh, teen dream movies. I've seen everything, man. And uh, yeah, as far as posting, I just, I don't know. I I feel like this year, I've kind of, this year and a little bit towards the end of last year, I lost like a little bit of a drive to, not to go see movies. I still go see them, but just even talk about them. And I really should pick that up because that was a really fun thing to do. And uh, I like like talking to some of my homies about what they think of the movie. And, and you know, I, I got a good friend named Matt Lubick who uh, he also likes those Marvel movies a lot and the DC movies. We'll kind of go back and forth talking about them. And me and him sometimes will butt heads on them, but it's out of love, of course. So. Yeah. And I feel like those it's are like, a while for me. I feel like those conversations are always fun because like, obviously you see the movies the way that you do. And I, I always like to uh, get another person's perspective. And even if you guys don't see eye to eye, um, you know, I, I feel like it, it, it's fun to be able to kind of, you know, um, have your, your points that you want to talk about and, uh, you know, just see what differences uh, you guys have. Uh, so I, I think that's awesome that you have a friend that you're able to do that with. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, you like comic books though, right? Yes. I was at the comic book shop yesterday. I'm, I'm there every Wednesday. Uh, Fullerton, California, Comic Hero U. There's a free plug. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember uh, that was that was one thing that uh, when I first met you because I, I was reading comics for a while, a couple years ago, maybe a year or two ago, and I, I fell off 
tremendously, mm-hmm. like tremendously. So I don't know what's going on. And is, it, is Marvel now still a thing? I fell off of that. Oh, oh I know. That's <laughs> that's years ago. Holy crap. Yeah, no, that's years ago. Yeah, see, I, I fell off, man. I fell off. And uh, the new 52, is that still a thing? <laughs> no, we're like three things removed from that, to be honest. Dang, yeah, and I fell off, man. That was like the last thing I was like kind of like really looking at, so I, I guess. Uh-huh. So no, but you know what's cool? Yeah, a lot of my friends like comics. Uh, even though you know you say you fell off, what's awesome about comic books is that it's in print or you can get it digitally, so it's always going to be there. So you have that option. You can you can close the gap if you want, or you can literally just jump to what's currently going on, and it's easy to catch up. So I I feel like whenever you're ready, or um, if you just want to kind of continue where you left off, dude, it, it's so easy. And um, it's it, the only thing that is hard is that, um, or there's two things that I'll say that are hard is that it gets expensive because there's so many books that are constantly coming out, and you have to actually take the time to sit down and read. So if you you know don't like to read, uh, save your money, go do something else. Yeah, no, it's funny. One of my friends said the same thing. So you can always jump back in, but I do know it's one of those things where uh, if you don't have time to to sit down and read, then it's kind of a uh, I don't say a waste of money, uh, but it is kind of counterproductive, I guess, if, if you're if you don't really feel like you have time to do that. So I do think, unfortunately, with a lot of the these movies coming out, a lot of people are choosing to go see the movies instead of reading comics. And I, me personally, I love the movies, but I hope that doesn't become a thing where comics are gone because of these movies. So I, mean, I can't imagine that happening, but I, I feel like it's important for people to continue to read read the books and even get the hard copies. Yeah, no, I, I feel like the the source material is always going to be important, and I th- that's like my biggest gripe is uh, with these comic book movies is I, I I I used to be like a like a like hipster or like el- elitist like I would get mad at these um, people who would be a fan of the movies but didn't know about the comics, but I, I kind of switched gears I was like no like I I should. Uh, try to encourage these people to uh, you know do more than watch the movies because if they like the movies there's no way that they're not going to like the comic books because uh, you know that's yeah. that's where that stuff comes from so i i'm always like uh, way more am encouraging these days of people going and trying to check out the source material but um if not i get it you know whatever like the movies are still fun anyways and it's just always something awesome to look forward to and i'm definitely curious to see what the or how this whole like next phase of Marvel is going to roll out because obviously there's been like a little bit of a hiccup. Uh, Black Widow's not yeah. out, and then you have like these shows on Disney Plus that are tying into the universe now. So I'm definitely, uh, you know, I, they definitely have a bright feature, but then I, I feel like there's like some questionable movies that they have coming out. So I, I'm just uh, really curious to see how this whole thing, uh, you know, pans out in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't know how I feel about an Eternals movie, to be honest with you. Yes, that's one of the movies I was talking about. I I have an issue with that yeah. movie, and then I have an issue with uh, the Shang-Chi movie. Yeah, no, me too. Both of those, actually. Okay. I, I agree with you on those. I'm, I'm kind of like, hmm, but, you know. Yeah, because maybe I, I'm like a little biased because I, I was a huge fan of the Marvel Netflix stuff. And granted, uh, Iron Fist season one wasn't good. Season two... Uh, well, season one was uh, whack. Uh, Danny Rand in the Defenders, I feel like, uh, kind of made up for season one, and then season two was getting better. But I felt like the setup for season three would have been like, you know, I think that would have been the defining season. Uh, but obviously, th- the plug got pulled, and I, I just wish they would have uh, 
you know, grabbed that guy Finn Jones and brought him into gave him his own movie. Because I feel like I feel like every one of those um, actors and actresses that had their own show could hold up and have their own movie. No, I agree with you, man. Um, for me, out of the Netflix series, man, I was I thought Jessica Jones was amazing. At least season one of Jessica Jones, because mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about Jessica Jones. I was like, okay, well, I'll probably watch this, you know, when time comes on. And then someone was like, no, I'll go ahead and give the first episode a chance. And man, season one of Jessica Jones to me was probably I don't want to say the best, but it was definitely in my top like top three at least as far as like seasons out of all those Netflix uh, shows. That's, and I thought season two was okay, and season three was okay too. But season one was Jessica Jones was fantastic. Yeah, and you know, you know, what's funny you're the first person that I've ever had, I've ever heard say that <laughs> because that's um, that's the drum that I like to bang because I'm a huge fan of Jessica Jones, and I feel like they killed it with season one, and even the the casting of uh, Kristen Ritter, I, th- I thought she was like perfect. I was like, oh my god, I was like, I don't know who else I could get. Like, she did such an amazing job. And season one, yeah, I, I feel like because because uh, you look at the other characters and like obviously they're like way more like you know action driven, uh, but like her, it's like more like psychological, and you just get just get a different side of another superhero. So I I, I like that um, aspect of the show. So it, it was definitely one of my more favorite seasons out of all of them. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it had a pretty thick plot, and uh, I think as far as her character development, it was the best out of everybody. Even Daredevil's character development, which even though I thought he kind of like played the fence a lot, at least how they made his character on the show, he played the fence. But I thought season one Jessica Jones from the first episode to the last episode, she was like, she's changed like dramatically. Uh-huh. So Dude. I, I thought they did a good job with that. What about, man, the the setup for the next Luke Cage uh, season was so sick. And I was so sad when they got canceled, when they uh, broke that news. Yeah, man, they left that hanging badly man i was and i thought season um that was season two right i thought season two of uh, luke cage was average but towards like the last two episodes i was like what like what's gonna happen i just wanted to know like what can they do with this because he he's not just this i mean clearly his character's changed where he's not like this like crime fighting you know hood warrior clearly this dude has became everything that he stood against like real fast right yeah so it's so, just like like i was super stoked to see they're gonna do yeah for me too because I, I was just so curious like how are they gonna bring him back around and like you know since he's kind of like you know uh, kind of you know taking on the role of like the villain like you know like what were they gonna do it, it was just like you know right. it was just such a bummer that that, that whole thing uh, you know got the plug pulled in and, and i get it obviously uh, you know disney was starting their own streaming service and uh, I'm sure that they wanted to do their own things, and the shows they have lined up for Disney Plus, I think, look awesome. And I'm really excited to watch all of them. And the fact that they are tied, uh, you know, fully to the MCU is cool. And like, I, I know that they did mention uh, some of the stuff from the movies in the Marvel Netflix stuff, like like they t- they talked about like the the events of New York from like the first Avengers. But uh, these movies yeah. are going to be like way more like involved, not just like you know like references here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm I'm stoked with the the Easy Plus ones. Definitely, definitely stoked for those. Uh, especially, um, I think WandaVision, Man, I'm so interested to see what they're going to do with that because I don't at all know what to expect. If that makes sense, I don't know anything about what's going to happen with that. Yeah, because I, I I think the last thing I saw was that trailer where they're kind of going through like the different like time periods, and you see uh, Vision and. Uh, you know, Scarlet Witch, like in a, a bunch of different costumes. So I'm definitely curious to see yeah. 
to see what that plays into. And obviously, like uh, that show being yeah. uh, tied to Doctor Strange 2, I, I think is like pretty interesting. So I'm, I'm just really, yeah, just like super curious to see how this whole thing rolls out. And I, I'm actually really stoked for the um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier show because I, I, I'm a huge uh, Falcon fan, like uh, especially uh, the like comic book run where he first takes on the shield and there's like this like you know constant right. struggle between like you know him and like america uh, is like accepting him as the new captain america so like just like seeing like right. uh that character in, in that light i'm like cool like i hope uh you know obviously at the end of uh end game uh he gets the shield I'm like, oh cool like this is awesome that they're actually going in that direction with captain america and I, i'm just really curious to see how it all plays out yeah, I think it's really cool. I know uh, Anthony Mackie said it was like eight eight episodes. It was nine episodes, but he said like one long movie, and I think that's incredibly cool. I like when shows do that where they're like, it, it's like, I guess, seconds after seconds. Like, the, this happens right here. I like when they do that in shows, and I do think that's going to make it stand out more when it seems like it's one long movie. So Yeah, that, that's definitely going to be like really awesome to see. And, and I'm, yeah, and I'm, I'm stoked to see them. Uh, you know, put out another original series because the I'm I'm not sure if you saw the the Mandalorian, but when I first watched that, it kind of opened my eyes. Like, okay, they're taking like these like shows like serious because the the quality and, and like the detail of the Mandalorian I thought was like over the top. It was awesome. Yeah, man, the Mandalorian was fantastic, man. As a matter of fact, the Mandalorian I thought I knew it was going to be good, and I knew that to the point where I purposely waited until I had a full week to myself to watch it so i literally had to it, i think it came out maybe august september i had to wait until like november around thanksgiving to watch it because so i just tried to avoid spoilers but i just wanted to um i wanted first i wanted it to end that way i can just binge the whole thing mm -hmm. that was like my main thing was that and on top of that i wanted to kind of make sure i can have enough time to just watch the whole thing but man the way that that show looks it, it's such a pretty show the way it's filmed looks really good and i'm super stoked for season two i think that the mandalorian on its own is better than the for the last trilogy that jj abrams produced and i i think that i don't really like that that those three movies that much though yeah i i you know i, I feel like that's, that's common uh amongst star wars fans is like the the latest trilogy is the the worst trilogy yeah no it definitely was the worst. i did think the force awakens was cool it wasn't amazing, but I did. I think it gets a little bit more hate than it deserves. The way I viewed it was, hey, this is the first movie of this new trilogy. It has to pay homage to the previous trilogy. That way you understand the inspiration. So I was okay with that. But The Last Jedi, man, I don't know what they were doing with that. And then uh, The Rise of Skywalker, trash, man. So trash. You know, I'm just always curious, like, why they didn't just have, like, the one team do all three movies instead of, like, you know, trying to hand it off to different directors, but then, then like, switching it up from there. And I, I just felt like it was just, like, a weird, like, fumble. And then, like, I, I don't know yeah. if you saw there was, like, a leaked, like, original script of The Rise of Skywalker, which, in my opinion, sounded way cooler than the actual movie that we got. No, yeah, no, I, I agree. As a matter of fact, the, the current Rise of Skywalker... There was a leak for that that came out about three or four months ahead of time. And usually I don't look at leaks, but, you know, I did. I read the leak. I was like, okay, so this is what happens. You know, that's that's whatever. This can't be real. It sounds too terrible to be real. And then it turns out that the person who leaked that script also leaked Endgame. And that was correct. So I read the Endgame script and I got leaked. And they were right on that. I was like, well, they're right on this. They got to be right on 
on Star Wars, and unfortunately, were and it was trash. Yeah, it was uh, so. like like I was happy to to just have a Star Wars movie, you know, because obviously, like I'd rather like I, I I don't think the trilogy was that like terrible like obviously um compared to the other ones it, like it, it was bad but i enjoyed them enough to be like okay like i i kind of get what they were doing but i i just like was like i i was excited for like that schedule that they had how like you know uh we were gonna get a star wars movie every year until we die um until solo came out and kind of like uh you know <laughs> change course because it, it did so bad but like i i thought yeah. I, I thought rogue one like like that movie was awesome and and it pains me to know that like like as awesome as that movie is, there was an original cut that was supposed to be like way more badass than what we got. So I'm I'm like really I, yeah like I, I it was I, I think they said that the original cut was like made it too much of like a like a actual like war movie and that uh, they want it to be like more uh, you know family friendly more like Disney like so they had to uh, re edit it. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, that's the reason why I liked Rogue One because it felt like a real Star Wars. Yeah. So I thought that that was cool to actually see like the real sacrifice. And uh, I thought when they first announced Rogue One and before I went to go see, it, I don't think I was gonna like it. I was like, "There's no lightsabers." In me. I'm one of those guys. There's okay. No lightsabers. I want to see someone do a flip, and I just want to see it. If I gotta see it once, I'm cool. But I actually saw that movie. I was like, "Yo, this is actually the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen." So I, I love Rogue One a lot. Yeah, and it was like pretty interesting because like going into it, like if if you like you know knew about Star Wars, like you knew that all those people were gonna die, like <laughs> like they weren't gonna make it into the you know obviously because um where it was set like in, in the time periods, like you never saw them after that, so it's like you're like all right cool, like everybody's gonna die at some point, like you know all these characters are gonna be dead by the end of this, so like let's just see how it plays out and like yeah I, I i thought the movie was just like so sick and then dude just like that scene with darth vader or you're just like that holy shit moment you're like oh my god this is so crazy no it was perfect it was a perfect scene uh at the end of that and it, it was one of those scenes where you see a movie and your heart just stops you're like yo are they about to do it they're about to do it they did it like that's how i felt the whole time i was like i can't believe they really put that scene in there it just put the icing on the cake of that movie being great and it kind of made me want a Darth Vader show or something like that. I know there's a comic series uh, with Marvel for Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's doing, but it, it made me want, like, I want to see more Darth Vader, like, badly. So. Yeah, no, the Darth Vader runs have been uh, pretty awesome, like, pretty popular. I, I think they're on their, uh, since Marvel started doing, or, like, you know, had this, like, uh, reboot of Star Wars comics, I think they're on their uh, second run. Because there was, like, uh, there was, like, Darth Vader, then there was, like, a Darth Vader's castle. And then they're on like their second like main like Darth Vader title. Oh wow! Okay. But but uh, real quick, uh, my favorite Star Wars movie out of all of them is Fanboys. Oh, the one from the nineties with isn't Ray Park in that movie for like like five minutes as like a bodyguard or something? Or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was because t- like I, I didn't like grow up being like a super Star Wars fan. Like I, I was, uh, you know, I, I I watched it because of my mom. And I, I always thought it was cool, but right. I, I, I just like that movie a lot. Uh, fanboys, I, I always just tell my friends who are like you know actual like Star Wars like fans who have like crazy knowledge about like the novels and everything. I'm just like, yeah, you know, I, I think Fanboys is my favorite one. Dude, uh, so I didn't know about Fanboys until and this is embarrassing until like 2009. I didn't know that movie existed. So when I first saw it, I was like, honestly, it looks so cheap. I was like, it's a porno. Like, what is it? <laughs> And then, like, my friend was like, no, this is a real movie. And then I started watching it, and I was like, oh, okay. This is, like, about 
Star Wars Episode One, right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, it's I don't know. I know a lot of people get like upset when you mention that movie, but I mean, hey. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think it's a fun one, and it kind of just like you know shows like a different side of like you know the like Star Wars fandom. Yeah, see how far they're really willing to go. Okay, so, uh, man, like when or before the whole like pandemic thing, uh, would you like frequent the, the movies a lot? Like, I know you you mentioned that you kind of you kind of stopped, but I wasn't sure if like um, you went a couple times before the pandemic hit. Um, no, for me, uh, I don't know what it was. I just started slowing down. It's to the point where I can't even remember the last movie I saw in theaters. I think the last movie I saw in theaters was Bad Boys 3. And I remember when uh, the year started, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to start like doing movies again. I used to do movies once a week, man. Like go see a movie every Friday, do every Friday morning that I didn't work at least. I would go and like go, go see a movie and get like a little review or something like that up there. Um, and then I was like, I'm going to do that again in 2020. And then I think after I saw Bad Boys, uh, to me, nothing cool, interesting was coming out in January. And then I just stopped paying attention so much. And then that's when uh, uh, quarantine and everything happened. So <laughs> I just kind of uh, drift away from that. And then even some of the uh, video on demand movies they're putting out, I still didn't watch any of those. So. Really? You didn't watch Trolls? I mean, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I'm just making a joke. I, I saw that it like it broke like a ton of records, and it did like way better digitally than like the original film did in theaters. Right, not gonna get my money. Not me. I'm not helping to break that record. I did see that movie with Vin Diesel. Um, that's also based off a of comic, but I can't. Oh, Bloodshot, right? Bloodshot. Oh man, that movie was terrible, dude. <laughs> the trailer made it look that awesome. Movie was, yeah. <laughs> uh, it did. I, I thought it was gonna be cool, and then. I mean, I don't know much about the character. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it just, uh, it was such a basic, predictable movie, especially when it got like halfway through. I was like, all right, like, come on. This is, and Vin Diesel, I love Vin Diesel, man, but man, that dude can't, I'm sure he can act, but he doesn't act in his movies, if that makes any sense. Dude, he's, he it just seems like he doesn't ever try in his movies. Because he's Groot. He's got that Groot money, dude. He doesn't need to do anything. Yeah, man, I heard Marvel paid him bank just to say Groot. Huh? Is that insane to, to think about? Like, he's in these Avengers films, the two Guardians films, and there's a third one coming at some point, and that's him. Like, oh, God, that, that that's that, – I, I don't even – yeah, I, I think he's just so awesome. He, he, like, got, like, an awesome W with that one. Yeah, no, that's a huge W because, I mean – I guess they said he had to save Iron Groot like a ton of times or something like that. But I was like, man, as much money as he gets, man, <laughs> yeah, they can they can give me a quarter of that, and I would do more. So, for sure. But, I mean, that that was pretty pretty cool, man. That, that's definitely a W for him. You're right. But I'm, you know, obviously the, the whole uh, this whole situation like just threw it like everything in the world like you know um off track and I, i'm a huge fan of uh fast and the furious so i was really looking forward to seeing the the new one but it, it got pushed back and I, i'm like really bummed out about that yeah man you know i'm a i like fast and the furious movies um and i don't know if anyone's gonna hate me for this i like them because of how cheesy they are if that makes sense no i i, I get nowadays it. i i like how i don't want to say whack because they're not whack but i like how I think they're self-aware at this point. They've got to be, especially the last trailer, man. They've got to be self-aware. They know that people are looking at these scenes like, come on. 
there's no way <laughs> there's no way that's happening and that's cool it's, it's a movie it's imagination it's not real but i feel like they do these scenes on purpose now to to get people watching them. it's kind of like tom cruise he does like a crazy stunt in every mission impossible movie and that draws his fan base yeah so i'm definitely gonna i mean fast and furious they'll have my money they can make 50, i know they're not going to but they can make 15 more of those movies i'm there same with Hobbs and Shaw. I thought Hobbs and Shaw was such a good movie. It was cheesy, but man, the action in that movie. I'm a sucker for action, so. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm like, I, I like uh, The Rock. I, I, I think he's awesome, but I, I just love uh, Jason Statham. I, I think he always does a good job. I think Jason Statham's underrated, man. I think that uh, people like Jason Statham, but I think that he, I don't know if he's an agent, but he needs to be in more movies, man. Because there was a time in the early, like, uh, 2000s, he was in a lot of things, and he kind of slowly dips in and out. But I remember, I used to think Jason Statham was so cool, and I still do, but uh, I want to see it. There was, like, a rumor a long time ago, I don't know if it's happening, that he was going to be in the next John Wick movie. And I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but I was kind of thinking, like, that would be cool if Jason Statham was in the John Wick movie as a villain or something. Yeah, because um, he definitely, like, that's the type of movie that he would fit perfect in. Exactly. So that's why I was kind of like, eh. did you ever see uh, one of his older movies called Crank? Dude, I saw Crank One and Crank Two. Movies are ridiculous. <laughs> so insane. If if you anybody listening, if you've never seen Crank, you got to check it out. It's a crazy rush and some pretty intense stuff that happens. Oh yeah, it's a wild movie. Uh, some of the, I don't know, look it up, but. <laughs> Some of the, the shots in that movie, some of the things he does are ridiculous. But uh, those movies are dope. I wish they made a third crank. Yeah. And they ended the second one like they were going to do a third one. So. Yeah, they just got to finish off the trilogy. Yeah, end it, man. End it in a, in a note that's, that's respectful to the fans. So. Okay. If you're going to leave it on a cliffhanger, then do something, right? Do another one. Yeah. Clearly, the guy can survive anything, so... So you you brought up uh, John Wick, and I wasn't the biggest fan of John Wick three. Like I, I, I you know, obviously like the action is cool, whatever. But I feel like I was just a little disappointed that there really wasn't much progression in the story, like you know, for a movie. So I'm I'm just curious, uh, you know, you being a movie buff, like uh, w- what do you think the reason behind that was? Um, I think that with John Wick three, I agree with you. Uh, John Wick one was the best. John Wick 2 was not far off and John Wick 3 was kind of like eh. and I think it's because uh, there just come a point in time when you have an action packed movie that it slowly becomes less plot driven and more action driven and because of that there's no story to really back it if you look at the choices and the decisions with the, the storytelling in the third one a lot of things happen for plot convenience we need this scene, we need this scene to happen we need this character to make this decision just so we can get to the next shot and to me, that's lazy, but it was entertaining because, I mean, we're there for the action. That's that's the truth. We're, we're there more for the action and less for the plot, and that's the reason why John Wick 3 made so much money. And I think that when you're um, – it's, it's really not a cool, it's not an ethical thing to do as a, a writer, I feel like, but it comes to a point where you know you got your money in the bank. You know what your fans want to see, so you're going to give them what they want. And that does mean you have to sacrifice a good story. Because originally the director, the writer and the director, and, and even the producers, uh, they said, hey, uh, after John Wick 3, we're done. And then when John Wick 2 did so well, they were like, huh, 
let's do John Wick 4. It was it was the same thing with Fast and Furious 2 a long time ago. They made the same decision that we're only going to do a couple. And, I mean, look where we're at now. So, yeah, money talks, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you kind of you know, clarified that. Yeah, because that's uh, kind of w- what I took away from it. Because I I'll, I'll still watch it. I I don't hate it, but I, I guess I was just expecting um, just like more progression. But you know, hopefully, maybe yeah. uh, maybe we'll see that in John Wick Four. I mean, they have enough time to do so. Uh, I know. Uh, the, I don't know if you saw the Halloween, the recent Halloween franchise, but they just put a statement out that because of a uh, you know they're not able to shoot anything right now. That they have a lot more time to work on the next Halloween movie, uh, which is good because the one that came out a couple years ago wasn't that great to me, but it, I appreciated the movie. I don't know if you saw the the recent franchise, but um, yeah, I feel like it, the more time you spend on the movie, the better. At least, hopefully, the better it comes out. So, and they I should, they should definitely deal with John Wick for it. I, I did watch that uh, more recent uh, Halloween. I, I couldn't believe that that doctor, you know, switched up on them and went crazy. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. But I, I think, um, towards towards his transition, I was able to notice something was different about him because he kept defending Michael way more than Loomis ever did, and I was kind of like, maybe they're just trying to make his character like more sympathetic. Uh, but then he started just saying certain things that sounded kind of psychotic, and I was like. I started thinking, I wonder if this guy's like, I don't know, I thought they were going to do something weird with him. And they kind of did, not necessarily what I expected, but, you know, so because I was still kind of caught off guard, I was like, oh, I didn't think he was going to do all that. But, yeah, I, I thought, I don't think it was really that good. I just, I love the character of Michael Myers, so I appreciate the movie. Uh, I'll probably see any movie they make that has a minute, unfortunately, but it, to me, it just was not a good yeah, like I'm, I'm not like Jamie Lee Curtis though. Uh, I'm not like super well versed in uh, you know, Halloween because I, I get like a little confused because I, I've seen like one and two, but I didn't see like anyone after that until like H two O because like I didn't for the longest time I didn't know right. there was like a three, four, and five or however many there goes until H two O popped off. Yeah, but. But it's fun. Uh, they're not good. The ones in between are not good. Because <laughs> I okay, so I I always see people like uh, you know uh, repping like season of the witch like number three because like it has like those three masks. So I always like see uh, like I have friends who have like you know t shirts of that and they like swear that it's like still a good movie. But I've never seen it. Um. So it it's all cult following. Like we all know what a, a cult following basically is when a, a certain type of project whether it be movie or even music, when it has a big fan base after its passing, right? After the movie ran its course and it's been kind of on the shelf, a cult following pops up. That's what it is for season three. I'm sorry, season three. Season of the Witch, which is Halloween three, mm-hmm. uh, simply because back then the movie was hated so bad. That's the reason why in Halloween four they brought Michael Myers back because it was hated so much. So it goes to show that, of course, people do not switch up, but there are different generations of people that appreciate things. But in the 80s, Season of the Witch was deemed the worst Halloween. And it was that bad that they said, look, the fans want Michael back. That's the only reason they're going to give us money for another Halloween movie. So okay. we got to bring Michael back. And what was, um, uh, what was your opinion on the, the Rob Zombie ones? So the first Rob Zombie one, I actually liked. I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie, I don't know what he was trying to do, but it was terrible. And I know a lot of people usually get mad at me. I'm already a fan of Rob Zombie's movies. 
Uh, I thought that the only good movie he ever really did was House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. And then I guess Halloween. Other than that, I don't really like Rob Zombie movies. To me, they're just kind of uh, they're a little pretentious and they're kind of empty. I feel like it takes a lot to write a movie. And it, it takes a lot to have an imagination to make a good story, a story that's well-rounded. Some people, I feel like, don't have that capability. Just because you can film and shoot with a camera uh, and you can get recruit actors, that to me, doesn't mean that you have a good movie. And that's just my, my beef with that. A lot of people disagree with me on Rob Zombie movies, but I don't really think he, he's that good when it comes to movies. For sure. I, I, I have friends who are like super into horror and I always ask them about him. Cause like, I always thought he was like, you know, so like beloved in like that community. But then I like found out that like not a lot of people like, like, like the majority of his like body of work. So like I, I and I, cause like I'm not like, you know, super in tune. So that's why I was just kind of ask around, but I always find that interesting that, um, you know, obviously he's like a famous person, but like, you know, not a lot of his movies are actually that good. Yeah, man. He's a, yeah, he, to me, he's just not, he's not too creative to me or whatever he's trying to create. So it's kind of like, man. Well, yeah, I remember my, my buddies made a big deal because uh, they wanted to watch this movie that he did. And I was like, all right, it's like one night only at, at this theater. Like we have to go. And I forget what it's called. It was like, I think like 31 or like 13 or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. 31. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm like pretty bad when it comes to watching movies in theaters because I like if I get comfortable, I'll just like, you know, doze off. Uh, but like that movie, like I was like so uninterested from like the start. I like slept through the whole movie. Yeah, no, that movie was, uh, I had to watch it at, uh, like on TV, I think, or like on demand or something. And I was like, kind of like, okay, hey, you know, Rob Zombie hasn't done a movie for a long time. So mm-hmm. maybe it's going to be good. And nah, man, it was tragically bad to me. And I didn't even understand what was going on throughout the majority of the movie. I was like, what's the purpose of this movie? You know? And I, again, this is my biased opinion. A lot of people disagree with me. I feel like when you make a movie and you tell a story, there needs to be some type of, message in the story otherwise what's the purpose of, of this body of work if there's not some type of message and a lot of people disagree with me and I, so I'll take that but I feel like if you're going to express yourself people need to know what you're expressing it can't just be you piece this thing together and then if people have to ask you after you make a movie what was your movie about that's a problem Okay. after they've seen it and they still don't understand to me that's a problem uh, how do you feel about a uh... A24 films because I, I always think it's funny when I, I see those memes about uh, people talking about uh, how they'll watch like one A24 film or movie and then start calling movies like films uh, and I, I you know I, I've seen some of their stuff I, I haven't seen every movie that that studio has put out but I, I think uh, you know everything that I've seen has been pretty cool as far as the people who even talk, who even like to me name drop A24 it just might sound stupid. I think it's almost pretentious because since when did people even care about like studios? Like when did that happen? Because I remember when I was like watching movies like religiously. No one even knew studios. Now that they know A24, everyone wants to act, you know. And there's so many different movies under A24, like a lot of movies where not, to me, none of them are even remotely comparable. They're all just different films. So I feel like when people try to like put them in like one box, I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I saw Moonlight when it first came out, man. I thought that movie was fantastic. It's nothing like some of their other movies. They're all just different films. Yeah, like I, I booted up Netflix last week, and uh, you know, I was looking for like a, a another like romantic or you know coming of age story movie to watch, and I, I stumbled upon this movie called The Spectacular Now, and I, I love Miles oh, Teller. I've seen that one, yeah. 
and and like yeah, and I I just you know put it on because I was like, oh, Miles Teller's in it. And I haven't seen this movie from him, so like I'll, I'll check it out. And then like I come to find out, it's like a A twenty four film. And I was like, oh, this is crazy because uh, you know I, what's really pop there is like you know uh, Hereditary or Midsummer. Uh, so I was like, yeah, this is nothing like those other films. So I was yeah. like, this is pretty interesting. Exactly. That's not that's not the point. See, a lot of people they, I guess they just think A twenty four is like some kind of like a horror production. I don't like. I, they do all kinds of other movies. They've done. They've been doing movies for years too, like for a long time, at least longer than people think. Uh-huh. So, and it's funny you brought the spectacular now. I mean, that's a, it's, it's a, um, it's, I think it's a book. I never read the book, but I do remember there's one scene in that movie that always gets me. And it's that uh, even though Miles Teller's character is kind of a jerk, right? That's kind of the purpose of his character is he's, he just doesn't have everything figured out, which is a okay. Uh-huh. Um, the scene where um, she goes to school and she thinks they're kind of done. And she walks out of her class and then she sees him down there with flowers and just that like smile that like she looks upset for a second and the camera's on her for a while and she looks like upset for a little bit and then she has like that slight like smile of like relief that kind of cracks on her face and the screen goes to black that was like a very very cool scene to me. and I, I always remember that scene and that's like the most cool scene to me in the whole entire movie so okay i um i i forget the actor's name uh the, the guy who played his dad He was he was like I the coach. He, he he played the the head coach in the TV show Friday Night Lights. I forget his name. One. I never watched Friday Night Lights. Oh yeah, you never watched it. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna look this up right now because this is gonna kill me if no, I don't tell you. What's that? Tell us. He hasn't been doing anything in a while. It seems like we've seen him in any movie since like uh, Fantastic Four. Okay, his name is uh, Kyle Chandler. Um, but yeah, Miles Teller. What has he been in? I'm, I'm like looking at his his IMDb. He has some. Uh, oh, he, he's going to be in the new Top Gun. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. He's in. I think he's Tom Cruise's son, maybe or. Uh, I have no something idea. Like that. Okay, but uh, yeah, but I'm a, a huge fan of him. But yeah, that 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 movie was uh, super cool. Like I was like you know. Uh, like obviously the, the the stuff with his dad was, was sad, but, but I was happy that obviously like in the end he kind of figured his shit out, and then you know he went and met uh, whatever her name is. Hold on, I'm like looking at it right now. Uh, went and met uh, the the girl Amy in the movie played by uh, Shailene Woodley. Yeah, you know Shailene Woodley had some issues in the press not too long ago. She uh she made a statement about why she like she put an article or something. I could be wrong, but uh, she like expressed why she doesn't believe in feminism and. It, it did not end pretty for her. Yeah. And it, to me, it was, I didn't quite understand what her point was. She was she was making like very obscure points on why she doesn't believe in feminism, uh-huh. and it just seemed like she didn't quite understand what feminism was. She's so that's not... like the number one thing I remember about her. <laughs> that's so funny. Like I, yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's like well, it's like she just not said anything because you're like digging yourself into this weird hole that it's gonna be really hard to get out of. Yeah, man. That's what people forget. Like, if you don't have 100% knowledge on something, it's okay to say nothing. It really is. It's okay to just say nothing. Yeah. Or you can ask to, you know, get the knowledge and, you know, have a better understanding. Because I, I, I've always, uh, uh, and I, I know, like, a lot of people are, are, it's like, it's like cool to hate Joe Rogan right now. But I, I've been, like, a longtime fan of Joe Rogan and listening to his podcast has definitely, like, opened up my mind to, like, a lot of different things. And I, I like, listened to that and realized, like, dude, like, 
it's okay to not know everything. Like it's okay to ask questions and it's probably better for you to, to just, um, you know, accept that you don't know everything and, uh, you know, ask those questions to gain the knowledge and in turn, in the end, like you'll, you know, have more wisdom and you'll have a better understanding of things instead of just, you know, closing yourself off and not asking those, those questions. Yeah, no, knowledge is power, man. That sounds cliche, but knowledge 100% is power. And I think that we have so many different routes on how to get knowledge on certain things that a lot of people, uh, because I think people fear being feeling vulnerable, so they they want to act like they know certain things and they really don't. And uh, I've, I've come in contact with a lot of people who want to they want to tell like it is, but they don't really know what it is. So, damn. Well, Jabril, I, I feel like this is a, a great place to to end the podcast. And man, like I just want to thank you because obviously, like we've uh, known each other for a really long time, but uh, I, I feel like I haven't really had like an in depth conversation with you. So I'm I'm really really happy that you were down to come on the podcast, and uh, this is just like you know exceeded my expectations, and I'm I'm very stoked on it. So thank you. No, oh, thank you. It's been a privilege, man. It's been kind of cool to talk to you and pick uh, pick your brain and kind of hear some of your thoughts on things also so that's really cool man i appreciate being on here hell yeah and before we sign off um, is there anything you want to shout out or plug uh a couple things of course uh, i want to plug shiva we just put out a record uh, about two days ago uh, i'm sorry yesterday which is the eighth it's called groove seven tracks high energy positive energy uh for fans of punk rock uh anything that's poppy you know we're just trying to spread the love man nothing nothing but love here baby i just want to give a shout out to i guess all the homies in Antelope Valley. Uh, shout out to some bands, All Eyes, uh, The Downsides, just some of the homies' bands. I want to shout out Ian Swift for being a huge influence lyrically on this record. And I uh, also want to shout out my girlfriend for being another influence on this record. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I, and seriously, I thank you again. I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time and coming on the podcast. It really means a lot. And I. Uh, you know, hope that uh, Shiva has a bright future and, you know, kids pop off and you guys play a lot of shows. Yeah, that's, that's the goal, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you guys again for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamie or K podcast. Always on top. <laughs>